Blog Talk Radio. kids around the old computer and, and talk a little wrestling. Um, we got some ranting that's going to be going on in tonight's episode. So just to let the kiddies know, like tonight's episode is rated R. We're usually a PG-13, so a couple expletives. I don't think we're going to break the record for the amount of F-bombs in a show, but just want to put it out there that we are rated R this evening. But this evening is a special episode of You Just Made the List. And we're going to be going around the horn and, and talking about different lists, different greatests of all times, uh, compare, contrast, debate, and stuff. So we're just going to go traveling down memory lane and, and compare lists on the show. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reed Show. Right now up there on Facebook, I want you guys to – one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is the best promo of all time. Want to hear – from you, what you think the best promo is of all time, or if not the best of all time, maybe your favorite. So right now on Facebook, on our Facebook page, again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show, I'm asking you guys, post a link to your favorite promo. We'd love to see some of the promos you guys pick as your favorite promo of all time. And you know, we're, I think we're going to be organic with the Facebook page. So we'll post some other stuff where we're coming up with our lists uh, as we go on, but Get on the Facebook page tonight. Again, it's facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. You can check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at The Ken Reedy Show. Again, Twitter is at The Ken Reedy Show. So check us out on Twitter. And you can check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Lots of great stuff over there. If you're on board tonight on this Sunday evening, thank you so much for being with us live. And if you're listening to us pre-recorded, then you're listening to us on the great B-plus players network. Thank you for tuning in there. Check out all the great shows on the B-plus players network. So we got a lot of stuff to get into, a lot of lists to get into. And one of the main reasons that tonight's episode is not PG-13, it's rated R, is that my tag team partner is going to have a bit to say on the first subject of the night. But we got a lot to get into, and he's our resident historian. So to make heads or tails out of everything we're going to be talking about, got to bring my tag team partner on the line from Connecticut. Dave, how are you doing this evening? 
I'm I'm pretty uh, ornery to describe me right now based on one person in particular that's at the top of my list, and it's not a list that I really uh, I really would say that he should like to be on, but I'm sure he's on a lot of people's lists of most disliked pro wrestlers, celebrities, whatever you want to call it in the history of this business. And I can't wait to dive in and rip this guy a new asshole tonight. And we also got in studio independent wrestling sensation, Rocky Santiago. Rocky, how you doing this evening? Doing good, Ken, Dave. As always, a pleasure to be here. And uh, I think we have a lot to discuss and a lot of lists to go through. I think we should jump right in. Yeah, and, and the thing is, we want to talk about it, and we're going to let Dave. I, I, I'm going to see if I can leave Dave hanging for a bit because I feel like the longer I, I let the, the rant kind of like fester and, and mature and milk it, like once I give Dave the go ahead, I think there's going to be kind of a classic rant. So, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about. The fact that CM Punk last night had his second MMA fight, and it was much the same bullshit that we've seen from his first fight. The guy doesn't belong in MMA. Uh, he looked overmatched against the guy who was 0-1. Um, Mike Jackson toyed with him through much of the match. Uh, CM Punk looked blown up uh, almost immediately. Um, a guy who is fighting and saying he's taking MMA seriously, but is continually wiping the hair away from his eyes to see better, shave that shit if you're taking it seriously. Um, and, and I'll be honest, man, you know, when it comes to CM Punk, uh, and, and we, we, we rag on him constantly on this show, and you know what? There are a lot of apologists online, and you see it on social media, and here's the thing, and, and I'll say it once, it's not, if the guy went and pursued his dream, and, and that was what he wanted to do, and, and left wrestling and said, you know, thank you, fans, Thank you, W. Thank you, WWE, for giving me one of the longest runs with the WWE Championship ever. Thank you, WWE, for giving me a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. But this is something I have in my soul that I have to go and do. So I am taking a different path now. But I am thankful for my experience in pro wrestling. It was an important part of my life. But now I'm moving on. Good for you, man. Good for you. Everyone has the right to pursue their dreams. But for you to walk out of pro wrestling, uh, an industry that has given you the economics for you to pursue this dream, and you come down to the ring calling yourself CM Punk, and you come down to the ring, the octagon, uh, to cult of personality. So you're still milking your wrestling persona, but you badmouth fans, you badmouth the industry. When you're asked about All In, you say something, oh, that wrestling show? Like, just stop, dude. You know, I mean, to me, that's where I have a problem with Punk. It's not the fact that he decided to pursue a different avenue. Um, and you know what? It doesn't look like he trained at all. I, I mean, he may have trained his ass off, but I watched the fight. He looked awful in that ring. And if I was A.J. Lee, in all seriousness, I would be, when Phil got home last night, I would be like, stop. Just stop. You're, you're going to die. You're going to die in that ring. You are overmatched by an 0-1 fighter. You need to walk away. Whatever, you fulfilled your dream. You did it. Good for you. But, honey, I, I need you a lot. I mean, in all seriousness, this guy is going to get hurt in the ring. Mike Jackson isn't any good, and he dominated him, and he toyed with him. And, you know, that's a serious side. But the problem I have with Sam Punk is not the fact that 
He looked terrible, and we enjoy making fun of him. But he's bad mouth the rest wrestling industry. He and there's there's stuff online now that that with Cody Graves that he decided that he's not going to be friends anymore if you're associated with the WWE. Like this guy's a prick. He's just a prick. Um, I, you know, I, to me, like at this point, I'm like, this is the last time we need to discuss CM Punk. I hope he does. I don't want to see him back in a wrestling ring. Um, you badmouth wrestling, and and now you like don't don't come back. The only way I will have any sort of like fondness for CM Punk is if all this crap before this fight and everything else was a work, and he's going to show up at All In and give us something unique. You know, maybe I'll, I'll like come around, or at least I'll be open to it. But I don't think he's working anybody. I think he's just an asshole. He's a spoiled little bitch. And he got what he deserved in the octagon. He does not belong. He's not any good. And and that's all I got to say about about CM Punk and Rocky because I want Dave's rant to continue to fester and 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 build and build. Your thoughts? I mean, we went out last night. We both watched the fight together. Your thoughts on the fight and CM Punk as 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 a as a whole? Well, to be honest, Ken, I have I have not the single clue of who you're talking about. I, I don't know. I, I watched some cat named Phil Brooks get his teeth kicked in last night. Uh, because, qu- quite frankly, look, if you want to shit on the business that made you so much, if you want to distance yourself from it, then you know what? I'm going to honor the man's wishes. And that means to me he's Phil Brooks, uh, basically some bum off the street who thought he could fight. <laughs> like, really, I, you want to do a comparison and contrast about – guys who made it in the wrestling business and moved on to other things, to other pursuits. You know, on one side of the spectrum, classy. On the other side of the spectrum, classless. It's a simple comparison. I put The Rock against uh, Phil Brooks uh, as far as the comparison of someone who did it in a classy way and always pays homage to where he came from, what made him, versus some jack-off who literally walked away from the business because he wasn't getting his way enough. Uh, you know, how many people would just have killed to be in that spot? How many people put their bodies on the line day in and day out to be in the spot you, you inhabited for so long, just for you to say, you know what, screw all of you people. And like I said, it would be, it would be a completely different equation if the guy acknowledged, you know what, the WWE made me, you know, wrestling made me what I am today. I'm thankful no, I want to distance myself from those from those guys. I don't know those people. Screw them. Well, you know what, Phil? Screw you. And you got your ass handed to you royally. You got literally toyed with from a winless UFC fighter. And there are plenty of people, like you said, Ken, there are apologists out there that are like, well, he had the guts to pursue his dream and the guts are – let's talk about another facet. You know, I, I'm not saying that the dude didn't have guts – you know, obviously more guts than brains to step into the freaking ring and just get your face pounded in. <laughs> but let's talk about another aspect that you really can't deny is the pretentiousness. Because you're, you're basically saying that at, well, you know, his last fight was like two years ago. At, at 37, with no, uh, no experience in, in, real, in a real fight game, no experience whatsoever, oh, yeah, I can step in and, and mix it up for professionals. Sure. Sure, I can do that. And, and for those people who were down on like Mike Jackson for doing so much showboating and, and basically toying with him, you know, it was bad enough when Mickey Gall, I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna film against you. Like, really? 
the guy who hasn't done this before, I get to fight? Okay, that's a little embarrassing. Well, okay, I'm going to pound the crap out of him. Okay, that, that came to pass. But then, now you're the guy who they looked at and said, well, you know what? He was totally outmatched for in his first fight. Let's put him against this guy. This guy, he might have a shot. And you think I'm not going to toy with him from pillar to post? You know, it, it was raining down shots on his face, not even looking, just staring ahead of the crowd. Boom. Boom. He's like, yeah. It, you know, of course. And, and the bad part is uh, Brooks, Mr. Brooks, made a bigger purse probably than, than Mike Jackson. So you better damn believe that I'm going to embarrass you thoroughly. Thoroughly. I don't care what the hell Dana White says. Mike Jackson did exactly what he should have did. And Dana White's a fraud. I mean, I can't take, you know, at this point, you know, it was fun because I, I, I like seeing a guy with an ego get his ass handed to him. So a guy as arrogant as, as Philip Brooks, uh, to see him get his ass kicked to me, I, I enjoyed watching it. I, Dana White, I have, no, I have no time for. You know, for him to have an issue with Mike Jackson is just, I mean, come on, dude. Just, just stop. Like, I mean, this single moment, like, now I've gotten to see CM Punk get his ass kicked twice. Um, Dana White, I, I think, is an absolute fraud. I'm, I'm all but done with, with UFC. I really, like, after last night, I'm like, I, I don't need to go out and watch any other UFC fight. If Punk comes back for a third fight, I, I don't need to see it. Like, it's just, and, and I, Dana White, like, his, his statements at, like, Mike Jackson's essentially 0-2 in my book right now. Shut up, Dana. Just, just shut up. You know, it's just, it's just absurd, like, his, his attitude coming out of that fight. So, without further ado, and I knew he is chomping at the bit all day. We've been texting today. I got some stuff I got to say. The show tonight, rated R, so the man can get his rant, a Rosen rant, if you will, get it in. Got a lot to say, whether you want to call him CM Punk or Philip Brooks. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, David Rosenblum. Ken, Rocky, first of all, I'd like to thank you for allowing this rant to marinate for those few minutes. Have you ever had, I, I really do appreciate it. Have you ever taken a nice, big, juicy piece of steak and you've cleaned it up and trimmed it up a little bit, then you let it marinate overnight? And then the next day when you're having a barbecue or you decide you want a cookie, you throw that fucker on the grill and it tastes so good. In the couple of minutes that you just – is about the steaks that I've marinated overnight and put on the grill the next day. Now, with everything the two of you just said, everything, every syllable that came out of both your mouths, I agree 100%. There is no argument out of anything that either of you said. The only thing I take away from last night's fight, which I did not watch, by the way, I didn't pay for it at home. I didn't go out to a bar to watch it. I would have rather have sat in my house and looked at pictures for free on the fucking internet. And that's what I did when I woke up this morning and saw his fucking ugly mug lumped up with a broken nose. His eye looked like it was purple. Um, he looked ugly as shit. And he deserved it. Now, on to the real rant. Philip Brooks, CM Punk whatever you'd like to refer to yourself as, you, sir, are a fucking asshole. That's right. I said it. A fucking asshole. A-S-S-H-O. Here's my issue when it comes to him and when it comes to fans that support him. Let me state that I was not the biggest fan of his to begin with, but I did appreciate his contributions to the industry. 
I felt he was an integral part of WWE programming during his time there. For the most part, I enjoyed his work, despite not being a favorite of mine. I do believe, despite the fact that I can't stand that cocky piece of shit, that he was partially responsible for WWE taking a look at smaller guys or guys that have that indie label on them, like a Daniel Bryan, and showcasing them higher up the card. I'll give that prick that. Let me also be clear that I'm not salty that he left the wrestling business. At the end of the day, he's a human being. And if wrestling doesn't make him happy, don't stick around on my account, pal. I commend him for embarking on something as tough and as physically demanding as MMA, especially at his age, for wanting to live out his dream. I can't knock him for that. I couldn't do it, that's for sure, and I'm fucking 35 years old. Whatever makes him happy, I'm all in favor of. So, this isn't a I'm still mad that CM Punk left wrestling rant, because he's free to do whatever it is he fucking pleases. Here's what really grinds my gears about him. The fact that when he announced his debut into the world of mixed martial arts, he blasted the wrestling business and its fans by calling it fake. A word among some talents and those who stepped foot into a ring, like the two of you gentlemen, could be described as derogatory as using a racial or ethnic slur. Only reason he was afforded the opportunity to fight in UFC was because of his wrestling notoriety. Yes, that fake shit he worked so hard at all those years. Because of the people he worked with over the years in the business, the fans that paid their hard-earned money to buy his shirt or a ticket to go see him live, and for him to dump all over that when hyping up his debut into MMA shows what kind of person he really is, and that's an angry, miserable, selfish, self-centered egomaniac. Don't let his kind words fool you. He only praised the wrestling fans the wrestling fan base this week all over the media leading up to this fight because he knew last night would be the final time he would ever be relevant again. Now, on to his supporters. This rant isn't about why you shouldn't support what the man did with his time in wrestling. If you supported him because you could connect with him on a more personal level, or if you could relate to him, or if you liked his promos or his matches or what his character meant to you, or whatever the fuck, I'm not here to debate your support for CM Punk, the character. It's the human being outside of that wrestling character that I despise. He's the same person that openly admitted to to Corey Graves via a text message, according to a recent Corey Graves interview, that he no longer wants to be friends with him because of the company that he works for. Can you believe this shit? Graves and countless others worked with him, supported him, and all because they make a living with WWE. Punk feels this need to disown them like he's done with the wrestling business that helped make him? Now let's get to what really baffles me, and that is your support for a person that publicly trashes wrestling fans who idolize him, who paid their hard-earned money to support him. Your rationalization of his words and his behavior towards wrestling fans shows how much self-respect as human beings you don't have for yourselves. If it makes you sleep better at night that you're paying your hard-earned dollar to take a picture with him or to get his fucking autograph, and he doesn't have any appreciation for your support and he only wants to do it because he's getting paid for it, then by all means, continue your residency in your parents' basement. I hope sleeping next to a leaky hot water heater is what you've dreamed of all your life because as a human being, self-respect with me personally goes a long way. If you don't have self-respect for yourself, then people like CM Punk will have none for you, and you'll continue to be financially dependent enough to add to your wrestling memorabilia collection, but you'll be morally bankrupt when it's all said and done. And for those of you who are hoping he makes a return at the Cody Rhodes promoted all-in event to jumpstart his return to wrestling, spoiler alert, the closest thing to him in a wrestling ring is for all you CM Punk dick riders to chant, one more match, one more match, 
at him in front of his hometown where he'll pretend to cry like he really appreciates your adulation. He will soak in all the admiration, maybe say thank you, and I only say maybe because he's a narcissistic fuck, and then ride off into the sunset because at the end of the day, it's all about him. Not one ounce of him will be doing it for you. He's self-serving, and, he, and if he gets near a wrestling ring, it's because he wants to benefit it from somehow, and it's got nothing to do with you. Whatever it is he decides to do with his life, I truly hope that he's happy and successful at that. But keep wrestling out of your mouth unless you want to thank the fans and fellow colleagues for helping you get to where you are today. In closing, fuck CM Punk. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I love it, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, honestly, like, we'll close up the CM Punk conversation. You know, we promised tonight that we would, we'd have a list episode and and i thought we'd kick it off you know interestingly enough with uh you know one of the promos that people do list in in their all-time greats um is the pipe bomb and it was interesting as you know coincidentally as we were coming up with uh what to do with the show this week and kind of the list idea i was cleaning some old stuff out and i found a list of when i was interning at busted open pre-pipe bomb of my top 10 promos of all time. And the interesting thing is I was going through the list and I was watching some of the promos on this list. And in all honesty, I had a hard time thinking, Hey, who do I knock off this top 10? And I know we, we, we agreed on top five. Indulge me for a minute. Cause this is actually a top 10, but I, I look at this. And I'm like, I don't know who I knock off this list to insert the pipe bomb. So, I mean, people want to put pipe bomb in as, as best ever, here didn't make my top 10. And I, I'm going to tell you my top 10 right now. I have top 10, number 10, Jake the Snake Roberts this Tuesday in Texas after he slapped Miss Elizabeth for <laughs> evil. I watched it again this week. I'm like, you know what? It's a 10 spot. That's the easiest place to knock someone off. Couldn't bring myself to, to knock that off the list. Um, number nine, I had Macho Man's Cream Rises to the Top. Uh, number eight, I had Hulk Hogan and The Rock, the WrestleMania 18 challenge. Seven, I had Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, and Bobby Heenan post WrestleMania 8. Six, I had Terry Funk, 1981, classic Memphis wrestling. I posted that on the Facebook page uh, when he had his program running with Jerry Lawler. Here's my top five. Five, Hard Times, the one and only Dusty Rhodes. Four, I had Stone Cold Steve Austin, Austin 316, King of the Ring, 1996. Number three, I had a tie because I did not know how to separate these two. I had a tie between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snuka with the coconut, (laughs) tied with Rowdy Roddy Piper and Frank Williams on, (laughs) on Piper's Pit. That was in the three spot. Number two, I had Ric Flair stripping down on Nitro, tearing up $100 bills. That was December of 1998. And number one, and honestly, I have this number one because of not only the promo itself, the importance of it, uh, creatively what it did and how it changed the business. Hulk Hogan turns heel, Bash of the Beach, 1996, the beginning of the NWO. So that was my top 10, my five roads, hard times, Austin 316, Piper, the two Piper pits, uh, Ric Flair, and Hogan's NWO. 
I couldn't bring myself to take this list and knock someone off for the pipe bomb. All these promos were solidly entrenched in storylines. Um, all these promos helped facilitate storytelling. Um, when I look back on the pipe bomb, honestly, I look back on a promo that was entertaining for the moment it was happening, but essentially it was a guy that came out and pissed and moaned about not being happy at his job. It was a work shoot. I get it. Um, but I personally, I had a hard time knocking any of those promos off the list to insert the pipe bomb. So I'm sticking with my top five. I'm sticking with that as my top five. Pipe bomb doesn't make it. I know on the Facebook page, if you check it out, someone posted uh, a, a uh, Billy Graham promo, and someone actually had uh, tied to the top spot the pipe bomb in Austin 316. Um, I Again, pipe bomb doesn't make it, and Austin 316 is not my tops, but he's in my top five. Rock, your thoughts, top five? Thoughts on this list, your top five promos? Take it away, man. Well, I, I, there, there's not a promo on the, on your list uh, that I can argue with, and honestly, a couple a couple of the promos on your list uh, made my list. Uh, but uh, apparently, you, you held them lower. But to 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 start off my top five, uh, going from five up, my my five was uh, Jericho's intro, uh, WWE intro when, when he promoted versus versus The Rock. Because for me personally, those are two of my all-time favorites, and to watch them verbally spar was great. My four was the uh, cream of the crop promo, which was a, a you know a great promo. My my, th- my three was hard times, and honestly, it's it's hard to put hard times down that far. But my my top two uh, both involve Hulk Hogan, and my number two was your uh, number one, which uh, Hogan heel turned for the NWO, which is obviously great. But my, my top promo, the promo to me that really el- elicited such a response, a, a visceral emotion for, uh, during that promo was Piper's Pit, the first promo from Andre the Giant when Bobby Heenan, uh, when you had their aligning, and just to see the look on Hogan's face, when Andre just tore the cross cross off his chest, it was such for me a gut punch. That had to be my number one. And, and it's amazing, man, because like I, you know, as you're talking about stuff, and I'm looking, I'm thinking about my list. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And your number one's not in my top ten. I'm like, huh, maybe I got to rethink my top ten. But then I got to think what I'm gonna knock off. But again, then I go back to like the pipe bomb, and I'm like, wow, like I, I missed a couple and. Yeah, I don't. I can't rank the pipe bomb over that. You're right. Like that. That Piper's Pit was awesome with Andre. Uh, the Jericho Rock one was was great. I actually thought you were gonna go with Rock Hogan. Uh, oh, close. Because that that to me that promo is like sheer brilliance. And and I oh, almost want to put like for selfish reasons I almost put that at number one. But two guys like when you talk promos, you generally talk about speaking. True. And you had two guys that worked a silence, and that to me was just. Just brilliance, uh, you know, charisma, like, you know, they have more charisma in their pinky than any of us could ever hope to have ever. Um, but, yeah, good stuff. It's like now I'm thinking, oh, I got to rethink my list. Dave, your thoughts? Top five promos, your thoughts on what we had on our list? What do you think? 
Well, um, what's great about these lists that we're doing tonight is that everything is objective and it makes for great conversation. Unless you put CM Punk in the top 10 with that stupid pipe bomb <laughs> promo, then it makes the conversation a real downer for me. I mean, I cut pipe bombs at work almost weekly. So, I mean, I could have fucking done what he did. All right. Except I wouldn't sit on the ground in my, un- I wouldn't sit on the ground in my underwear and kick pads like that asshole did. Anyhow, both your lists are, are great. I didn't think you can. You kind of surprised me with a couple. The Terry Funk one, I saw that on the Facebook, and I wasn't sure what you had alluded to on Facebook, but then you had mentioned it. The Ric Flair one, okay? Now, everyone regards Ric Flair as one of the greatest talkers of all time. And for the most part, most of his promos were pretty, you know, um, entertaining and very, you know, over the top. But I remembered that promo vividly because he ripped up $100 bills. Not the fact that he took his clothes off, but the fact that he tore up $100 bills and handcuffed himself to the rope, demanding a rematch with Bischoff because the night before Bischoff and the NWO screwed him out of that match that they had at Starcade. That was, that was, that's my favorite that's one of my favorite Ric Flair promos, and that almost made my list. Um, you know, Hogan. A lot of the, a lot of the, some of the, some of the promos that both of you guys have on your list definitely made my top five. But I'll give you my top five going from five to one. Ric Flair's post-match 1992 Royal Rumble victory. The tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment of my entire life. Um, as a kid, I'll never forget. I was one of the very few out of all my wrestling friends in elementary school that knew who Ric Flair was. And I knew that he had come from the NWA and he had wrestled Dusty Rhodes and Ricky, the dragon steamboat and Sting, And he was the leader of the four horsemen and to see him on WWF and to be the WWF champion, it was very surreal. And that's one of the most memorable promos for me when it comes to Ric Flair, despite the, you know, getting naked hundred dollar bill tearing up promo that didn't make my list. Number four, in fall of 2001, Paul Heyman delivered a work shoot promo to Vince McMahon on the Go Home SmackDown edition before Survivor Series 2001, where it was the Alliance versus the WWF. It was a transitional weird period at that time, and for me as a wrestling fan, um, I wasn't I, I wasn't sure what to to make where the business was going because WWF was the only game in town, and. You know, we, I definitely felt that loss of competition that created the spark to make overall great wrestling programming. And Paul Heyman's shoot promo about Vince McMahon and the McMahon family basically destroying the territory system, wiping out the competition. It was just something that really kind of put a shot in the arm of the product, even though it was only for a brief moment in time. Number three, my personal favorite promo from The Rock. When The Rock tended to be Billy Gunn talking to God on Sunday Night Heat in the summer of 1999, Billy Gunn had cost The Rock an opportunity at the title, and The Rock basically cut a promo saying that Billy Gunn was talking to God, and God thought his name was Bob, and he said, and that's where the it doesn't matter what your name is came from. Great stuff, and to me, that promo right there kind of, and The Rock itself changed the game when it came to you know, talking on the microphone. Number two, Hogan joining the NWO. For every reason that the both of you had said, it was a game changer. It was huge. You never saw it coming. You never thought you'd see anything like it. And number one, Dusty Rhodes, hard time. I didn't live through it, but watching it in later years, I I appreciated it more as I got older. Um, Something that really can 
you know, hit, hit the heart with many people in this country, middle America, people losing their jobs, working hard to just make ends meet. It was, it, it was captivating. You'll never see a promo like that ever. And that, honestly, that's the thing that's a shame with a lot of, you know, when I went through the promos, it was fun, like, finding this list of mine and going back, and I went back and watched some of them. And, and like I said, it was like, you know, do I knock something off the list? And, you know, and then and some of the guys, some of the, the promos you guys had on your list, I didn't have on mine. I'm like, oh, I got to rethink my list. But, you know, one of the things that struck me, and I had it at, at, on 10 on my list, was that Jake the Snake Roberts promo. And it, it, it struck me when you just said, like, we'll never see anything like that again with, with Dusty. And, and that's when I watched Jake the Snake this week, I mean, sinister. Like, not not just good guy, bad guy, not babyface, heel, like, psychotic evil, like, you know? And, and to the point where, like, now I'm, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I've been watching wrestling for the better part of three decades. And I'm watching it knowing full well that the whole business is a work. And I'm getting, like, chills. Like, I'm actually watching it feeling uneasy that he's – borderline getting uh, almost a, a sexual kind of arousal in the fact that like he smacked Elizabeth and when he felt her skin and I'm like, holy shit, man. Like we just, we'll never see anything like that again. And, and that's, that's Jake, you know, man. I mean, when you think about the, the time period we grew up in and like to your point, Dave, you know, you said like Ric Flair, one of the greatest talkers ever. And people talk about Flair. They talk about, uh, you know, Macho Man, The Rock, Dusty Rhodes. Like, these are the guys that come up as, like, best talkers of all time, like, off the top of your head. But we grew up with guys that, like, maybe Jake the Snake doesn't make your top five, but, oh, my God, he was so good. Like, we grew up watching wrestling in an era where the, the talking and the promos were just so goddamn good that I don't know if anybody the past, like, really almost 20 years can even sniff the guys that we grew up with. And, and, and your statement, Dave, saying we'll never see anything like that again, just it like hits the nail on the head with a lot of these promos. We're never going to see anything like Piper Snuka again. We're never going to see a hard times again. We're never, never going to see a Jake the Snake Roberts again. And that's when you're an older fan, it makes it tougher to watch the current product when you're like, when you go down memory lane and, and you're watching stuff and you're like, this stuff was amazing. This is why I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jake the Snake, uh, when, when you look at those old talkers, when you go back and look at them, there, there's usually a word that can sum up exactly those characters. Like with Flair, you can think, uh, you know, grandiose, just all the, the women, the cars, the planes, the whole nine yards. With, with uh, Macho Man, the word that encompasses that would be intensity. But I don't care if the dude was talking about sweeping the damn floor. It was going to be the most intense floor sweeping that has ever been done, you know, in our lifetimes. With Jake, Jake, he just, when he was a heel, he epitomized evil. He was just, a, you know, sinister. Use any type of those adjectives you want. But he just encompassed it. And like you said, Ken, like that is one dude that could legitimately put a shiver to your spine if he was just describing the, the, the pain that he planned to introduce into your world. It was something that 
and is really lost uh, in this day and age. And uh, it, it, it saddens me to think that, well, like, I have to have hope that some, somewhere, someone, you know, people get close. There are flashes. Like, I'll give credit where credit is due. I, you know, as far as, like, the evilness is concerned, what early Bray Wyatt, he's had his flashes of genius. and he's had, But to have someone so consistently deliver uh, on their character and make you believe it and make you believe this is not a person you want to mess with. You know, I really hope that the modern day, uh, the modern day wrestler really just embraces it and and tries to revive it because we need it. And I think, I I think you hear it from us also. I I think it's, it's kind of, you know, almost an, an unconscious thing, but when we start doing it, we've been doing more of these kind of retro shows and, and throwing back to yesteryear. And I think you can hear it in our voices that, that we get jazzed, you know, to get to talk about the stuff, you know, this week, like conceptualizing this list show, going back and watching some of those promos, it, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, producer Michelle, like I pulled her, like I had to watch the Jake the Snake. I watched it twice this week, but I had to show her I'm like this, this is why we love wrestling. And, and just to, to let her see, like, you know, how incredible it was and how, you know, during that program, like, you didn't want to see Jake the Snake get pinned one, two, three. You wanted to see him, like, Mike Jackson is ass. You know, you wanted to see, you wanted to see Mike Macho Man destroy him. You wanted to see him kill Jake the Snake because Jake the Snake was an evil son of a bitch that needed to be brought down. And, and that's, what's missing that you no title was needed nothing no stip was needed you just wanted to see macho man kick this guy's ass and and that's what's what's missing we got a lot more to get into best matches of all time best talkers of all time mount rushmore let's get your thoughts give us a call three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call but right now it's time for the day five fifty fifty news report good evening and welcome to the return of the most comprehensive news report in all of the land. This is the Day 550 News Report, which can only be heard right here on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. And don't let me forget to mention our good friends over at B-Plus Players Radio, the pro wrestling podcast buffet, if you will, where you can find this show and countless other professional wrestling banter-related shows that cover anything and everything pro wrestling. Search, then like. Players Radio on Facebook and Twitter, where you can find archived shows such as this and so many more that make up the roster here at B+. If you happen to be looking for archived Ken Reedy shows, then wait about an hour after this show airs live on Sunday evenings, and iTunes will more than likely have the download drop for you to listen. But if you have patience, and sometime later in the week, Mr. Mark Adam Haggerty will manage to drop our show for download on any of the B+, social media platforms. Mark is the guy who steers the ship here at B+, for those that want to be in the know. Don't wait any longer. Check out B-Plus Players Radio right now. But before you do, here's this week's top stories. I know we mentioned at the top of this program, we wouldn't talk about this individual again, but unfortunately, he's all over the news. He's still an asshole, but he's all over the news. CM Punk, my favorite ex-professional wrestler, if you couldn't tell, gained a major victory over WWE in the courtroom this week as a jury found himself and friend Colt Cabana not guilty of disparaging remarks made towards WWE's head physician, Chris Amon, 
The duo will not have to pay any damages that Amon alleged came from the infamous 2014 podcast where Punk told his side of the story regarding his fallout with WWE. Amon was seeking roughly $4 million, which represents the total amount of downloads the podcast received, as well as punitive damages for the commentary made by Punk and Cabana. My second story this week, the former WWE Cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore is in the news on a number of fronts. Recently, it was revealed that the pending sexual assault case against him had been dropped by a local Phoenix, Arizona police department due to insufficient evidence. Amore shortly after revealed that he's entering the world of hip-hop as he premiered a shitty music video on social media, taking shots at wrestling fans that didn't support him when the sexual assault allegations came to light earlier this year. He's also referring to himself as Real One in the world of rap music, as well as fashion, where he began selling T-shirts depicting the name change. If he's not busy enough, he's been making public appearances in the New York, New Jersey area, promoting his rap music, along with his overpriced shitty T-shirts. And to top it off, he's been advertised for his first indie wrestling appearance on August 17th for House of Glory Wrestling during SummerSlam weekend in the surrounding Brooklyn area. Bada boom, it took seven months for an acquittal in the courtroom. How you doing? Another ass hat in the world of wrestling wanted us all to know that he's still relevant this week as WWE Hall of Famer Brett the Hitman Hart was a guest on the Pro Wrestling Show podcast to whine and complain about comments Eric Bischoff made regarding his WCW tenure during his 83 weeks podcast. Wah, wah, fucking wah. After personally listening to the podcast myself, Bischoff didn't have many nice things to say regarding Brett's run in WCW. But while doing so, he backed up his statements with professionalism and good reasons as to why Brett's time in that company wasn't successful, even taking some of the blame for it himself, but not being shy to admit that Brett played a part in that as well. Brett called Bischoff the single stupidest idiot he ever met in wrestling who had zero ideas for wrestling. I guess the launch of Monday Nitro, the NWO, and countless other memorable moments in wrestling don't count unless the hitman says so. From my perspective, for years, Brett has blasted guys in the wrestling business publicly without a care in the world, spewing as much hate as CM Punk. And now when someone fires back or says something that doesn't depict the hitman in a favorable light, all of a sudden it's blasphemous. Go back to the hypocrite wing of the crybaby Hall of Fame. Chris Jericho's making waves in the wrestling business this week. He first announced that stars from Impact Wrestling will be participating in his Rockin' Wrestling Rager Cruise, which set sail to the Bahamas in October. This comes after Impact Wrestling star Sammy Callahan posted a video on social media calling out Jericho for not inviting the stars of Impact to participate. Following this, rumors circulated that Jericho's cruise will be the launching point for a cross-promotion storyline between Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling. However, that's only speculation at this time. Nonetheless, Impact Wrestling is joining Ring of Honor, stars from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which include the Bullet Club, the boys from Sirius XM's Busted Open, and so many others. Jericho's busy week continued in Japan as he was part of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion event where he captured the IWGP Intercontinental Championship from Tetsu Nato. I hope I pronounced that right. Jericho's angle began with Nato back in January after his history-making match with Kenny Omega, who ironically enough captured the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from another guy's name I'm probably going to butcher, Kazuchika Okada, on this very same night, by the way. Jericho said publicly to the fellows on SiriusXM's Busted Open this week that although WWE Chairman Vince McMahon was and still is very supportive of his working relationship with New Japan, he does see it becoming a bigger issue the more he works with that organization. 
And for my final story this week, the Twitter account for WrestleVotes is reporting that through their sources, it's expected that after this upcoming SummerSlam event, WWE is looking into moving the summer event out of Brooklyn and to a much larger venue, such as a stadium, as we have currently seen for WrestleMania in the last decade. With WrestleMania emanating from MetLife Stadium in New Jersey and WrestleMania weekend festivities having been announced to partake in the Brooklyn area, SummerSlam isn't expected to return to the Barclays Center later next summer. The account also noted that through their sources, it might be rough to fill a stadium during the summer months, so expect wherever they plan to host SummerSlam 2019, they will be from a vacation city. My guess, with the theme parks and heavy flow of tourist traffic that time of year, Orlando and the Citrus Bowl would make a great spot for SummerSlam. After all, it's the first city to introduce the bidding process to WWE when they expressed their desire to get WrestleMania 24 back in 2008. Ever since then, WWE has had every city propose bids similar to Orlando when wanting to host a future WrestleMania. And just to backtrack here for a second before I close out this report, Barclays Center is set to host the traditional WrestleMania weekend festivities, such as the Hall of Fame ceremony, TakeOver, Raw, and SmackDown. But according to WrestlingRumors.net this week, the folks over at Madison Square Garden were none too pleased with WWE that they were left out in the cold on the WrestleMania weekend fanfare. This may be one reason why Undertaker and Ronda Rousey were added to the July 7th WWE live event from the Garden to keep the building's management happy. And there may also be some truth to the rumors that All In 2 could emanate from Madison Square Garden if Garden officials' relationships with WWE continue to sour. AAA out of Mexico is even allegedly in talks of running an event from Madison Square Garden sometime in the fall, according to this report. And there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to another informative and very opinionated edition of the Dave 55050 News Report. Check back here next week. I'll continue to introduce my flavor of opinionated pro wrestling news talk that makes me the special human being you all know and love to hate. Let's continue making our list as we send it back to the boys. Rocky and Ken, take it away. Yeah, I'm thinking like, let's keep it good stuff, as always, with the news. I, I, I keep like thinking, God, if all, if all in two is at the garden, like that just would be so freaking cool. You know, like, and again, it's something that. I didn't think I would be excited about, um, you know, I'm not, you know, as much as I wrestled, I've wrestled on the indies. I work on the indies. I'm, I'm not that indie kind of fan, you know, and I, the, the, you know, initially when they, they were planning on doing this event, I was like, Oh, you know, good for them. Um, now I kind of wish I was going to Chicago. So it, it is exciting. And, you know, getting back to, to talkers um, and we should do our list of talkers, you know, um, it's been interesting to see Cody Rhodes evolve um, over time and uh, his ability. You know, I liked all his characters in the WWE. Um, I really like what he's doing now, character-wise. Um, quite a different talker than his dad, but but very good on the mic. Um, you know, does he compare to the historical greats? No, not yet. Um, could he maybe down the road? Yeah, I like everything he's doing. Um, well, let's get it rock. Why don't you kick us off? Uh, we'll do, since we we're on, like, the best promos, let's stick with uh, being on the stick, so to speak. Your top five talkers of all times. Top five talkers. Now, top five talkers for me is really tough. It's so tough because there are so many great promos to, to, to think about and so many great moments uh, to think about that, that were created by, you know, a, a whole lot of workers. So, Really, I, I'm, I'm going to give my top five 
but to, to be and they're going to be ranked and obviously there's going to be a number one there's going to be a number five but honestly catch me on any given day and the order of these five <laughs> might change to, to be quite honest um you know at, at the bot at the bottom of the list who uh, it, it's so it's so hard chris jericho which who normally i'm a big jericho fan uh, as far as greatest talkers, he's put himself up there. And climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder of that list, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jericho. I'm going to go Triple H uh, for his intensity. I'm going to go Dusty Rhodes. Uh, I'm going to go Hulk Hogan for his intensity. And the the top talker for me is has to be The Rock. Uh, the, the the rock to me has always been the baseline, and you know what? As I think of it now, there are so many people that just got left off. I, I like I, I feel like I feel so shitty for 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 not putting people up there because there's so many great talkers. Can, can I change my answer already? For Christ's sake, we'll, we'll go we'll go around like again like after because it was fun. You're right, and and that's the thing you know and. and you know, Dave, I know you said, like, you're one of those guys, but, like, one of the things that I, I enjoy about doing things like this is, like, someone has to be left off. Like, that's the thing. Like, when, when you post, like, when we post something on Facebook and I'm like, all right, who do you, like, what's what's the best wrestler of all time? Or who's on your Mount Rushmore? Or what do you think the best match? And when people say, well, you got to consider this, this, no. Like, that's what makes it hard is the fact that, like, you got to narrow it down. Somebody great will be left off your list. You know, that period, and especially if you're kind of in our age bracket and you're a fan that's been watching wrestling forever, when you're assigned the task of coming up with your top five, you know, it's going to take a lot. And, like, you know, I came up with my top five talkers, like, looking at my promo list, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts, not in my top five. Macho Man, not in my top five. Terry Funk, not in my top five. Stone Cold Steve Austin, not in my top five. So, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the Hulk Hogan, not in my top five. And I am one of the biggest Hulkamaniacs around, does not make my top five talkers. And, again, like you said, I could probably come back to this list and come up with a different top five, although my top three usually does not change. I, I, it is the blessed trinity of talkers in, in my book. But to get to my top five, coming in at number five, The Rock. Wow. Comes in at number five. Now, again, we talk yeah. bottom of the list. We're talking top five ever. So, you're at five. You're in a good spot. Number four, the brain. Bobby the brain, Heenan. Um, <laughs> and I kind of I kind of went back and forth because I was like, do I include Heenan? Should I just, like, keep managers separate and not put Heenan? But, you know, I got to include Heenan on this list. So, Rock comes in at five. Heenan at four. At three, if you will. And this is where my blessed trinity of, of talkers come in. Um, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes is my number three. We both had Rhodes at three. Number two, woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, comes in at number two. And, and the guy that I have at number one, and, and this is really where my number one never changes. The rest of my list might change as far as talkers. But, you know, when you look at Ric Flair, you can see the origins. You can see his influences. You know, he's, you know, takes that arrogant rich guy and, and, and turned up the volume and did, you know, when, when you look at like a, a dusty road, you look at a guy who kind of almost took like a, a Southern preacher kind of gimmick and, and 
worked it in and made it his own. My number one guy is Rowdy Roddy Piper because they broke the goddamn mold when they made this son of a bitch. Um, never before, never since. Um, he had such a unique way of talking, a uh, unique style. I don't even know if you could try to, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure guys are influenced by Piper, but even to attempt to talk like Piper is difficult. He just was so unique, came up with such great one-liners. Um, you know, just when you think you know the answers, I change the questions. Uh, just absolutely brilliant on the microphone. And that's why, for me, uh, Roddy Piper comes in at the top spot. So that's my top five. But, again, like when I didn't have Macho Man on my list, like, really, I don't have Macho Man on my yeah, list? Like, okay. how do I not have Macho Man on my list, you know? Uh, it's just, it's tough. But that's why a top five is difficult. Dave, your top five talkers. This is very difficult. And like you guys, there's a number of names that I've left off this list. Some of them that are in my top five promos, some of them that didn't even make either of those lists. I could, you, you could say that like, there's like an A team and a B team, so to speak, or like a varsity and a junior varsity, but all these talkers are great. You know, like I left Arn Anderson, Jake, the snake, Randy Savage, you know, names like that off the list that I've always enjoyed watching cut a promo. But when it comes to greatest talkers for me personally, all time, uh, number five, I'm right there with you, Ken. I'm going with The Rock. Um, and I'm going with The Rock because The Rock was probably the last guy of, you know, that that era that really – he, like, elevated the game. He was the last guy to really, like, elevate the game when it came to promos and wrestling. Um he was the first guy that basically had crowd participation, you know, people singing along with his promos and finishing his sentences. Like it was unreal. Like he literally, you know, it's, it's very cliche, but he literally had the people in the palm of his hand every time he held that microphone. And it was just, it was magic every single time, whether it was intense or whether it was comedic, he just had it. Uh, number four, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, how can you not put him in the top five? Promos are just so impassioned, and you and if you didn't get into it when he when he first started, by the end of that promo, you would be into what he was saying. He was the definition of talking you into the seats. Number three, and he could flip flop with Dusty at, at three and four, but Nature Boy Ric Flair. To me, Ric Flair, he he he, he cut entertaining promos. He he also could cut very intense promos borderline, uh, you know, psychotic promos at sometimes, judging by the ripping up the $100 bills on Nitro. But um, <clears throat> Ric Flair to me reminded me of a guy that, like, he gave you a personality profile in his promo in an entertaining way. He told you who you are, who he was, told you what he was about, told you what he was going to do. He told you what he was going to do to your wife. I mean, he was that good on the microphone. Um, and, he, and, you know, it's – that's why he's in the top five. Number two, he's your number one, Ken, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper, he had the quick wit. He was, you know, very, you know, witty one-liners, the catchphrases. But he was the guy that elevated not just the ability to, you know, deliver a promo, but allowing that platform to deliver it on. And what I'm talking about is Piper's Pit. Because from Piper's Pit on, you had different talk shows in wrestling that, you know, allowed guys, that gave guys their own platform that was part of their personality to promo, like the Funeral Parlor, the Barbershop, the Brother Love Show, the Heartbreak Hotel. You know, the list goes on and on of all the, the, the great talk shows in wrestling. 
But number one for me, and maybe it's because it's just I'm a big mark for him, but Bobby the Brain Heenan. And the reason why I put Brain at number one is because of his range. He went from being, you know, the manager that you loved to hate when he was cutting promos for his guys, like Andre, King Kong Bunny, Big John Studd, Hercules, the list goes on and on. And he, you know, he had the ability to make you want to see your favorite wrestler kick, kick that guy's ass, whether he could or not. And it was all because of what Bobby Heenan said. But then when he transitioned from being a manager to a color commentator, he stepped up his promo game like you wouldn't believe. I consider the greatest call in the history of wrestling was his commentary during the 1992 Royal Rumble. It was a cross between comedic, but, you know, wanting to see your favorite wrestler toss out his boy, Ric Flair, in the 92 Royal Rumble. The range that he had with his promos, if Bobby, I said this when, when Bobby Heenan died, and I'll say it again. If Bobby Heenan ever stepped foot into a wrestling ring and became a full-time wrestler and didn't stick to managing and, and broadcasting, he'd have been the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Well, that's some pretty high praise right there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's funny because the thing is, like, when you, you come up with these lists, I see Rocky, like, squirming a bit. I think Rocky wants to make oh, no. some additions to the list. Or, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> crawl out of your skin. Because you come up with it, and, like, you know, it's, it's difficult whether, you know, you research or you kind of come up with, like, gut reaction and, and you're like, all right, who strikes me? And, again, for me, I've always – those three have always been my, my blessed trinity of talkers, and it's, it's tough for me and my brain to – to have anyone break in, but again, like that, and, and I think you bring up a really good point, Dave, that the, you know, the rock being like really one of those last guys to really change the game on the mic, like what you're looking at as far as the, the industry as a whole. And, and, you know, we're not haters on this show. We try to call it down the middle. Um, you know, there have been good promos and we give credit where credit is due. But, but I think that it's, it's, you know, it's pretty eye-opening when you look at our show and we're talking, and probably the most recent guy was Chris Jericho on any of our lists, and, and Chris Jericho debuted in the 90s. So, I mean, when, when you start to think about, like, where the industry is and we're coming up with our time, and I got no problem if someone comes in and wows us and I can put them in my top five, but... It, it's pretty incredible that when we look at the industry and we're, we're talking about, you know, the business and, and, you know, our promos and our talkers are all like 20, 30 years ago and beyond. True. And, and, and there's just one thing I want to throw in there. And Dave reminded me of it. Uh, you know, Bobby, please don't, please don't haunt me for not putting you on my list. For like, I feel so bad. But one of the... <laughs> And you couldn't really call it a promo, but one of the greatest Heenan's reactions that I ever remember was when Hogan turned in WCW and Heenan was going batshit yeah. crazy. Just like, I told you, I've been telling you people for years, you didn't listen. I was like, oh my God. You know, just, you know, God rest his soul, definitely, you know, no, can't argue about what that man contributed to the world of professional wrestling. I'm kind of hoping he haunts you. But I, I just think I, Bobby Heenan as a ghost would just be like phenomenal. <laughs> I, 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 I deserved it. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine just like in the middle of the night waking up just seeing like a, a, a transparent Bobby Heenan like calling you out for not having him? I've been just 
That's just gold. And we, we, we miss you, Bobby, but that that uh, awesome stuff. Anyway, uh, you know, let's we're gonna move on. Let's get into uh the squared circle and and our favorite uh matches of of all time. And and I like I, I actually want to kick off this one with Dave, Dave a resident historian, because I'm sure when Dave starts talking, I'm gonna start scribbling shit out and changing stuff <laughs> on my list. Um I, I came up with like I was honestly when I came up with my list, I was thinking all right, if I was on a desert island and I had five matches and I could only have a five-match library, what would I want to sit and watch? And that's, that's where my list came from. Um, but I'm sure there's stuff I'm not thinking of. So to kick off the greatest matches of all time, Dave, take it away. This one was the hardest one for me because I had so many. Um, and I, I referenced other people's lists to get, you know, on, on different discussion threads and stuff like that and, uh, and different articles to try and really, um, you know, get an idea of what other people thought of. And I wasn't basing my list on what other people thought of. I just wanted to, you know, just if something like maybe I forgot that I, I knew I liked something and then maybe someone might have reminded me um, in an article. So um, this one was very hard. So I'm going to give you a few honorable mentions that did not make the list. Um, the 1992 Royal Rumble match when Ric Flair won. Uh, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13, the submission match. The, uh, Dusty Rhodes and superstar Billy Graham, the Texas Bull Rope match from Madison Square Garden. I want to say that was in 78, maybe, 79. I'm not totally 100% sure, but a phenomenal match. Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc, 1997, math versus title. And Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock, WrestleMania 17 from the Houston Astrodome. Those are the matches that did not make my top five. But my top five for this countdown, coming in at number five, from the Chi-Town Rumble in February of 1989, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat challenging and defeating the Nature Boy Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Those are the, that's the first match in that trilogy that took place in 1989 that people regard as the greatest wrestling matches of all time. People love the match that they had, the two out of three falls match, the Clash of Champions, and people think that the match he, that Steamboat and Flair had at, in uh, Nashville at Wrestle War was a great match and probably the greatest match ever that the two of them had. Um, but this match embodies Ric Flair, in my opinion, the epitome of a Ric Flair match. And Steamboat brought the best out of Ric Flair. That comes in at number five. Now, some of these matches are personal favorites of mine as well. Some may disagree, but that's why this, this, this makes this list show and these conversations um, so well done. So without further ado, coming in at number four, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Steel Cage Match, SummerSlam 1994. I grew up on cage matches as being like bloody, brutal affairs, matches that like were the end all, you know, to a rivalry. You knew that when it was a cage match, you were going to get a decisive winner. And Brett and Owen, the cage match, and gave it a different twist by actually having a real wrestling match and using the the escape method of the cage to their advantage. You didn't see any blood. You saw a, a great technical wrestling match, but also a good fight between these two. Uh, my People talk about the WrestleMania 10 match that opened up that show between those two, but this is my favorite match between Brett and Owen. That cage match was a classic. I enjoyed the finish. Uh, Owen hanging from the cage. Brett drops two feet. 
Then Anvil jumps in. The whole Hart family tries to climb the cage. That was the return of the British Bulldog. It was definitely a bright spot from that really shitty SummerSlam that year. Number three, for historical purposes and because, um, you know, it was the match that that helped make WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre. It wasn't the greatest technical wrestling match, but I remember after that moment on Piper's pit when Andre tore the cross off and Hogan was crying and his chest bleeding and Piper was demanding the answer and Hogan said yes and that place blew up. I was crawling out of my skin, begging my father to take me to a closed-circuit movie theater to watch that, and it was truly unbelievable. Number two, from that very same event, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The one wrestling match. My father's never been the biggest wrestling fan. He watched a little bit early on, but that's probably the one match that my father still talks about when that subject comes up. Remember that time when they had the 45 near falls and Steamboat barely won the match and Randy Savage tried to use the bell and a a, a fantastic match that some people will put at number one and I'm not going to argue if you do. But coming in at number one for me was probably the biggest roller coaster and wave of emotions that I could have experienced watching a match on television and I am jealous. Ken, you saw it in person and you know, I know a few other people that were there in person to witness it, and that's the one match that I regret not being there in person to see, and that's Shawn Michaels' Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. Just, I can't say enough good about that match. It was, uh, it was a work of art, and I don't like to throw that term out there, you know, loosely, but I'm going to throw it out there with this match. It was just unbelievable, the story that was told, and with the streak, and Michaels' reputation of stealing the show at WrestleMania. It was just these two forces combining to, to, to put on an unbelievable performance. And I, I remember saying to my friends watching that match that night, I said, there is no match. There's no, after that match, nobody should break the streak. Nobody. And obviously we saw Brock Lesnar do that a few years later, but it was just unbelievable work of art. Those are my top junior varsity squad of matches that I could put in the top five, making a top 10, hell, even a top 20 one day. But that's, those are my greatest matches of all time. Good stuff. You know, and I had some of those on, on my top five as well. And it, it is difficult, man. Cause you, you look at like, um, there's so much out there and, and there's, there's so many great matches and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough and someone's going to get left off. Um, Coming in for me at number five, uh, a match that didn't make it for you. And a lot of stuff comes from, you know, for me also, like just being the type of wrestling fan I am. Um, Storytelling. I like storytelling, man. I mean, that's why I'm a wrestling fan. Um, You know, nowadays, we sound so old when we talk like this, but like, you know, nowadays, man, like, you know, I mean, the athleticism is insane. I mean, it's incredible. But when people, like, watch matches nowadays, like, oh, my God, that was an incredible match. Like, what was the story? What was the story? They just the two guys got together, and they had – and they were athletic. And um, I, to me, it's like, I no. Like, I like for me, I, I need – I like seeing a story inside the ring being told and, and outside the ring be, being told. You know, I, I like, the, the you know, leading to something, you know, tell, get me vested in the characters. Uh, for number five – Austin versus Hart, WrestleMania 13. Um, you know, I have long said, and, and I love the fact that I have in the Ken Reedy Show studios a picture from that match of, of Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, 
picture autograph and it makes me sad how bitter Brett has become. Big Brett fan. Um, but I remember when they had a series, you know, when you go went up to meet him, there was a few pictures you could pick uh, to have Brett sign. And when I was going through the pictures, as soon as I saw that picture from WrestleMania 13, I'm like, all these other pictures are null and void. Like, this is the picture I need signed by Brett. And the funny thing was, and this is going back a few years, Brett looked at me like, where'd you get that picture? Obviously, there's pictures with him with the Wingle belt. There were other, and, and I was kind of surprised. And I was like, oh, it's right over there. He's like, oh. And I looked at Brett and I said, I, it's great to meet you. I, I sincerely believe there would be no Stone Cold Steve Austin. Looked at me and smiled and thank you. He's like, hey, come on over, let's take a picture. And he was a pleasant enough guy, which really bothers me, the bitterness surrounding him now. But I do believe that. And, and when, when people look at Stone Cold Steve Austin as um, the greatest ever, um, you know, he is one of the greatest ever. Um, and yet I look at Bret Hart as being the guy that really was made Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't think we get the rattlesnake to the level we got him at, if not Bret Hart. Um, WrestleMania 13, Austin versus Bret, that comes in at number five. Uh, number four, you know me. I got a little bit of bloodlust. I love the storytelling. I needed some brutality on my top five list. So we're going back a little bit. I, number four, the dog collar match. Uh, Starcade, I'm trying to remember the year. You probably remember 83. 83? 83. 83. Starcade 83, Roddy Piper versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Basically came up with this match like, we, we need something brutal. And the two of them just beat the shit out of each other with that wrong with me. Um, I wanted to go. I wanted a throwback match in my top five. I wanted some brutality. Dog collar match. Piper versus Valentine. Starkey 83. The ultimate cop out. You come up with a list. Put a tie in there. That's what I did at number three. And it's, I'm, I'm back at WrestleMania. In fact, most of my matches, the, the, the dog collar match, the only non-mania match on my list. As a tie, and maybe I shouldn't tie these two, but again, storytelling-wise, and what happened, Hogan is in a top three, WrestleMania versus Andre, WrestleMania versus The Rock. Both those events, the storytelling going into both those matches were phenomenal. I said, Dave, uh, when it comes to Andre, not the best match. And today's fan will watch that match and think, what the hell? This match sucks. Fuck you, dude, because you don't get wrestling. Those guys told a story leading up to that match. They told a story in that thing. Andre could barely move at that time. And, and they were brilliant storytellers. And that was the match. The irresistible force versus the immovable object that, to me, put wrestling on the map that that you could argue that might be the most important match in the history of pro wrestling tied with Hogan rock. I think Hogan rock number one, physically, I think it's one of Hogan's best matches and especially the age. he was. I thought he, he, he looked in great shape, uh, two masterful storytellers and, and getting back to the promo they did when they, they, you know, setting this up, this match up rock, the rock to be the ultimate face 
a guy that took a hammer to the back of the head from Hulk Hogan. I mean, Hulk Hogan is just, he is evil Hollywood Hogan. And that turns off brilliance. Brilliance in that ring to make it work, to remain a face, but kind of have a little more of an edge, to work the crowd, and, and at the end of the match, to have the crowd pop when The Rock wins. Just absolute brilliant storytelling from the two of them. So when it comes to Hogan, because he's goddamn Hulk Hogan, he gets two coming in at number three, his WrestleMania match versus The Rock and Andre. Number two, probably number one on matches I've been to, comes in at number two for me on my list, Dave. Taker, HBK, one. As far as matches I've been at live, um, holy cow. Like, I mean, I've never been more physically exhausted. Um, I'm not aware, but how do I sound now, Dave? <laughs> Better. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no problem. Yeah, apparently, we're having some technical difficulties, but hopefully it's worked out. Yeah, I'm, I, I sound fun to me. Sounds very self-centered. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been – I've, I've been to postseason football games. Um, I've actually never been to any other postseason games in any other sport, but uh, I've been to multiple WrestleManias. Uh, I've been to, uh, you know, baseball games during the pennant stretch. Uh, I, I, I've been, you know, to, to events that where, where there's an intensity in the crowd. I have never been part of anything where we were exhausted. I mean, we were physically exhausted after Taker Michaels won. Like that they took us on such a such a roller coaster. Um, never experienced anything like that before or since. Of just and you could see it in the crowd. It was almost this collective exhale when the match was over and the idiots. The morons, the dumbasses that decided that shouldn't be the last match. Oh, my God. What were you smoking for WrestleMania 25? That match, nobody, nobody, nobody could follow that match that night. Um, and it did not have that as the main event to me was just a, a huge mistake, but um, pretty incredible to just be able to be a part of that, to be in that arena, to watch the crowd. And this is why, this is where my anti, this is awesome chant comes from, because I remember being in that crowd and having the, uh, Undertaker, HBK, Undertaker, HBK. And, and as the match was going on, like halfway through, then it was like, this is awesome. And, and the Taker guys and the, the Michaels guys were all chanting, this is awesome. And it was just kind of a, it was just cool. And it was before the internet wrestling fan ruined everything. And, and, and the, the crowd like really band together um, that night. Um, and, and, and we were, we were on a high at the bar after mania. And I told the story before and I'll tell it again. And then I'll get to my number one, but I'll never forget. We get to the hotel bar after this match. And, and it's great. Like, that was when wrestling fans could debate and not hate each other. And, like, we, we were at the bar, and everyone was just hyped. Even though Mania wasn't great, but everyone was still on this high from Taker Michaels 1. And there were these two guys at the bar, like, just, just 
speaking loudly. I think they agree, they were agreeing with each other, but they were like they were just speaking loudly. One guy was from Scotland. He was draped in the Scottish flag, and his buddy is like, "I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you that Taker Michaels was probably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time." And this Scottish guy, draped, if you can picture this guy draped in the seat, the greatest match ever in wrestling. Fuck you. That's the greatest match ever of all times. It's not, not just WrestleMania. It's the greatest ever. Fuck if you're saying it's not the greatest ever. And then they're, they're, they cheers each other and they drink their beer and they're like, this is awesome. Like this, And, and it's, it's sad, man, when you go to Mania now and like fans that really want to debate, argue, and if you like this wrestler, then you're not... That was a fun time. So that comes in at number two. Number one, I stick with it, Steamboat Macho Man. Uh, two matches, again, same with you, make the list from WrestleMania 3, which is why that's my favorite. That, to me, is the best WrestleMania ever. Um, to me, the athleticism, the, the storytelling, um, you know, Ricky Steamboat, a guy that just is, is left off way too many lists as far as most athletic guy to ever set foot in the ring. Um, the storytelling beforehand, uh, you know, going after Ricky Steamboat's throat, the confrontation with Macho Man and Bruno San Martino behind the scenes, leading up to this match. To me, this was just a phenomenal match by two incredible athletes that really, like, we can talk about WrestleMania three, and you talk about Hogan Andre maybe being the most important match of all time. Um, WrestleMania three, like, the, the Macho Man Steamboat, like made you really take wrestling seriously as far as the athleticism that that happens and and that was the first time I remember as a fan watching a match going wow like wow like look at these 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 guys are just wow um, and, and still like every so often I gotta bust out that match and watch it again so for me Steamboat Macho Man comes in at number one on my top five matches Rocky to you top five matches. Of all times. Uh, well, <coughs> as as we've been, I think all of us have pretty much been saying it was a difficult choice. And again, you know, catch me on another day, and the answer could be different. Uh, although, lo- looking at my top five, I'm thinking well, there were a couple of great stories, and it's a lot of storytelling. The first match of my top five, the number five, was basically about the brutality. Uh, and wondering how one man could possibly take so much punishment. And that was Mankind v. Undertaker, uh, King of the Ring 98, in the Hell in a Cell. Uh, just watch it, you know, the implications of that match, uh, of what it did for Foley's career, uh, and just the, the, the event uh, of the phrase of testicular fortitude, that that match embodied testicular fortitude to take the falls that Foley took and still be, you know, when, when he fell off the cell onto the announce table and they were carting him off, like, you kind of wonder, like, he's not coming back. Like, what are they going to do with this match? But to watch him walk back after that and like, oh, no, I'm gonna, not only am I going to continue that, I'm going to climb back up the cage to take some more punishment. I'm like, Holy smokes, we are witnessing, you know, one of the toughest men in pro wrestling. And, you know, you talk to all the insiders. All the insiders will talk about how tough Haku is and, you know, not not doubting them in the least. But when you see 
uh, Foley take the punishment he takes and still keeps going, uh, you know, sheer, uh, sheer amazement. Uh, it was probably the best way I can put it. After that is a match that you just talked up, Ken. It's Steamboat Savage as my number four. Uh, as both of you alluded to, you know, th- this is the match. This is the quintessential match that any any person who wants to go into wrestling must watch. Uh, just the technical prowess, the, 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 the psychology, the whole nine yards. It, it is really the embodiment you know, one of the embodiments of what one could term the perfect wrestling match. And it was just, uh, just great. The, the, the rounding out my top three are basic, you know, some of my favorite stories in professional wrestling. With number three, I went with British Bulldog v. Bret Hart, uh, IC title match, SummerSlam 92. It's a good one. Now, for, yeah. for me... <laughs> I was a big uh, British Bulldog fan. I love Davey Boy, God rest his soul. I, I, I was a big fan. And when this match happened, and one of the reasons why I don't think a match like this could happen or a style like this could happen in this present day and age. One thing I don't like about this present day and age uh, in professional wrestling is it just seems that when you see one particular move associated with a wrestler, it seems like they have to, you know, to use the, the, the phrase, they have to get their shit in every single time they wrestle. What I loved about the story that this match told, uh, you know, aside from the whole, you know, the whole behind the scenes when you had uh, family, family be family, and you had the Hart family in disarray and whatnot, but just from a, from a technical standpoint, from a wrestling standpoint, being as big a fan as British Bulldog as I was, I knew there were only certain moves that he pulled out when he was really pulling out all the stops. And in this particular match, it was, it was the superplex. And you know when, like, I've only seen Bulldog use it, like, back in the day. I, I could count the times on one hand. And you knew he was using it when he really had no freaking clue what else to do because nothing else was working. And when he pulled it out and he hit it, I was like, oh, my God, Bulldog is going to win this match. And when he won, I was elated. I was on the roof. That was my number three. And my number and my next, my number two and number one both involved Hulk Hogan. And you tied him, Ken, but uh, I split them apart. For my number two would be Hogan Rock. Uh, you know, WrestleMania, uh, 20, <laughs> just uh, was it 20, 18, 18. 18. Uh, Hogan Rock, because it, as you said, Ken, the story for two guys, you, what you witnessed was two people who could work a crowd so well, who could read a crowd so well, and to work that story as they worked the crowd, it was uh, it was masterful. Uh, it was really masterful. And always being a big Hogan fan as I am, as I am and being a big Rock fan as I am, that uh, it was pure joy to watch. And just watching it again, it, it, it holds up to the replay value when you watch it over and over again. And just watching, just not even using words, just looks. Manipulating the crowd with sheer looks. It was awesome. And as my number one, uh, you know, my number one, has not changed, I don't think, ever since. It's it's Hogan Andre, WrestleMania 3. 
um, because my main memory of that match is being that little boy watching the this literal clash of titans and going through all the buildup of, you know, Andre turning, Andre turning on his friend, the reaction of Hogan when, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you aligning with, with the brain? I've been fighting this guy for so long. It, it was it was a joy to watch. And it was sad to think that physically Andre really wasn't there. And, and as you alluded to, Ken, if you, if you talk to the Monday wrestling fan who has no knowledge of yesteryear and he watches this match, oh, well, this was a shitty match. If I meet these kind of people, I want to punch them. Like, really, you just, you just don't get it. Because these two men told a story, one of them not being in great health still managed to tell a story, and when that slam happened, the slam heard around the world, me as a little kid, I could have slammed, you know, I am not the tallest guy in the room. That day, I could have freaking jumped up and slam dunked, just watching that freaking slam and seeing that one, two, three. It was just such an emotional roller coaster. There is, it's going to be really tough to dethrone that for me as far as being number one match. It's good stuff, man. I, I just want to, like, as we're going through this, like, I, at some point when the three of us are in the same zip code, we got to, like, just compile our top fives and just hang out and watch all of them. But, again, like, are, are we old? Or is it just, like, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of recent stuff. I mean, I, I think uh, uh, Michael Taker is probably the most recent match that we have on our, our list. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And we're, we're running up against we got about four minutes left. So, quickly, we're going to go through – our, our Mount Rushmore, and again, it's four, which is really difficult because it's four, someone's getting left off the list. I've always kind of looked at it. Rushmore is etched in stone. Once it's etched in stone, man, they don't change the real Mount Rushmore, so I've had this for a while. My Mount Rushmore, Bruno San Martino, Andre the Giant, Ric Flair, and the greatest of all time, Hulk Hogan. That is my Mount Rushmore. It's been etched in stone. There are greats left off it, but that's my Mount Rushmore. Dave, who's on your Rushmore? Andre and Bruno are not, although they would make good additions if I decided that they would make the list. However, this is my Mount Rushmore. Hulk Hogan, Nature Boy Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock. So tough. Uh, I would have to go. Uh, I will join you with Hogan and Flair. I will add Savage and my one of my favorites, The Rock. Wow. There you have it. Good, good Mount Rushmore. So you got through that one quick. That was good. I was like, I was going to tie. I was like, wow. But, you know, I mean, it's intriguing. And I love these, these shows. And I'm enjoying doing these retro shows because, um, Man, yesteryear kicked ass, you know, and it, I mean, I, I didn't watch all of them, but I want to go back and like watch some of these promos again. And, and, uh, you know, uh, just, I don't know, we grew up with such a great, and maybe that's it. You know, I've always thought like growing up, you know, a lot of times nowadays, like I'll get like pretty critical of like stand up comedy. And then sometimes I think like, is, is it stand up comedy sucks nowadays? Or is it the fact that when I was growing up as a child, it was George Carlin. It was Robin Williams. It was Richard Pryor. You know, those are the guys I grew up with. You know, is it, is it the fact that, like, it's, it's bad now? Or is it I just was lucky enough to grow up in a golden era of comedy 
and and now we have mere mortals doing stand up. And, and I, I wonder that sometimes with pro wrestling, is it the, the business changing? Is it a, a creative like missing the boat? Um, does a business have to change, or were we just lucky enough to grow up in an era that you know the guys knew how to tell stories and they developed storylines and they and they they told stories in and out of the ring and they gave us good promos and maybe maybe it's not that today's stuff sucks maybe it's just we were really lucky to grow up in the era that we grew up in but when you look at all of our lists again maybe we're like old curmudgeon wrestling fans uh or maybe we're just right so iwc shut the hell up because we're right and we're bigger than you so exactly Thank you all, everyone who tuned in. Again, we got up on the Facebook page. Um, what are your greatest matches of all time? Love to hear what your thoughts are on Facebook. Hell, give us your, like, Mount Rushmore. We'd love to hear that. And give us four. Give us four. There's four faces on Mount Rushmore. My favorite was a few years ago. I posted this on Facebook, and Mike Ferraro, I think he, he gave, like, ten. And he was like, <laughs> well, you, you got to consider. I'm like, I know the guys you got to consider, but it's four. That's what makes it difficult. And we're all going to go back and look at our list, like, I think after the show, and like, huh, do I, do I change this? Do I, do I bump this guy off the list? I love the fact that Rocky and I have, like, a little bit of a blood loss. So we got the dog collar match and the, uh, the uh, hell of a shell match. But, uh, you know, great stuff. And, and, and these lists are fun. We're going to come up with, like, more of these retro shows because, God damn it, like, I, I'm enjoying this more than saying, what are they going to do with Roman Reigns? <laughs> like, every show is like, what are they doing with Roman Reigns? I think Roman Reigns is going to go up against Brock Lesnar again. Well, let's analyze that shit again. Um, I'm just digging this, this retro stuff. So we'll go back to the current product at some point. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, as far as next week goes, uh, stay on the Facebook page. I don't know what we're doing. Uh, it is Father's Day weekend. Um, so we may not have a show. We may have to schedule it for a different time. But just stay posted. We will, we'll put it on the Facebook page uh, what we're able to decide uh again thank you all for tuning in everyone have a great rest of your sunday have a wonderful week and if we don't see you all the dads out there have a great father's day for rocky and dave i am ken good night everybody